Well, praise the Lord and good day to you. Welcome to the Old Path Bible Study. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson here with you in my office at Crossway Church in Queen City, Texas. I'm glad you found us whenever you did, wherever you did. And we are just excited to gather around God's Word in the book of Hebrews again this morning. We do this every Monday and Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. And I encourage you to come and be a part of it. On Friday mornings, we're uh, uh, broadcasting Cross Time with Pastor Curtis, and we're studying the book of First Peter. And uh, that's on Friday mornings at 9 a.m. Central Time. So join us tomorrow morning for a study, a deeper study, in First Peter, it's there's nothing like the Word of God, and there's nothing like the Word of God in when the Lord brings you into the context in which it was all written. The Bible says that all the words of God's mouth are in righteousness. And His righteousness, that's Proverbs chapter 8, verse 8. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel, not just because of the gospel. The righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel to those who go from faith to faith in the gospel. Hallelujah. So it's, it, it, the word of God is the most profound, the most beautiful, the most precious thing we have on the planet. And when the Lord brings the hungry heart, the spirit-taught heart, into the walk with him in the light he walks in, then he is able to begin to show them his covenant. He's able to, to show them the context of Scripture, which is righteousness at all times. If we hold his words outside of the right, his righteous context, which, by the way, is the cross of Christ, then... His wrath is revealed against all that ungodliness and unrighteousness which can only be, can only be manifest, can only be the fruit. I'm telling you folks, this what God is doing with the message of the cross is not something that just sounds good. It's what He's always done. He only speaks about His Son. He only speaks through His Son and that meaning what His Son came to do at Calvary. Just because you don't understand that doesn't mean that's not a truthful statement. A lot of times we don't understand things. So instead of just staying in the Word or, or letting the Word explain the Word, we take the Word and we twist it all up to make it mean what we want it to mean, what we think it ought to mean. And the Holy Spirit does that perfectly. We don't do it good at all. We cannot do it. The Holy Spirit is the one who wrote the Bible. He's already the one who's put it together, and he's the one who will teach it to us, or it will not be taught to us except through human, fleshly, carnal, earthly, devilish wisdom. So let's jump in today here in Hebrews chapter 12. This is part 5 on this 10th day of November 2022. And might I say, happy birthday to all the Marines today, of which I used to be. Some say you always are. But today is the Marine Corps birthday, and I'm so thankful I had an opportunity to serve as a United States Marine in some years past and it's something you never forget, something you're always thankful you had an opportunity to do. So happy birthday to all the jarheads out there. 
and I hope that there are more and more of them getting saved, born again, and walking with the Lord. Amen? Hebrews chapter 12, again, this is part 5, and I wanted to just go back. I don't want to read all this. I don't want to get buried up in the first three verses. If you missed them, you need to go listen to them because there's things there the Holy Spirit wants to show you, needs to show you, because if you don't know, God doesn't just do things anyway. Uh, you got that's one that's got to be one of the first things that you learn. The Lord does not just do things anyway. He requires faith. He requires faith in the sacrifice of Christ. If he doesn't just if he does let me say this, if God just does things anyway, that would make him a respecter of persons because he's told the church in Galatia and it doesn't matter how he told them. It matters what he told them. And what he told them was because they'd placed their faith in something other than the cross of Christ, the death of Jesus, that they fell from grace and that Christ could no longer affect them or profit them. Let me tell you something. You can't hear that enough. You cannot hear that enough because the, the letter to the Galatian church is our both sides of the narrow path's journey billboards to always look up and see and be reminded when I'm not trusting in, when I'm not trusting in the sacrifice of Christ, I'm not living by grace through faith. And to disagree with that, is makes me would make me a part of the apostate, the backslidden, that which is false and not true. It also would make God out to be a respecter of persons, that he does this for them, but he won't do it for them. That's not the case. If that were the case, also, Hebrews chapter 5, there wouldn't have been a need to rebuke and to attempt to wake up those babes in Christ because God would have said, well, it's okay. I'll do for them anyway what I'm going to know. He says, I got more to give you, but I can't because you're dull of hearing. So it, it, God doesn't just go on and do things anyway. Why am I saying this? Because there's things we have to know before we can experience the things that we need to be experiencing. So it is important. You don't think for a minute, just I don't go to church. I don't I don't even have a Bible, but God's gonna do me the same thing. No, He's gonna let the sun shine on you. He's gonna let it rain out there on you. He's gonna He's gonna it rains on the just and the unjust. But my friend, you're not gonna walk in the blessings of the Lord in a spiritual sense, in an inward manner. The things of God are not going to be taking place in you by his spirit until you know some things. That's why you have a Bible. That's why we have God's word so faith can come. And when faith comes, faith moves me. What moves me? God. What? Listen, we, we, uh, for too long we talk about we just need to be uh, carrying out God's word. And we are called to be doers of the word, doers of the work. But when we're experiencing being a doer of the word or a doer of the work, never forget that is God performing his word in you. That is God performing his word in you. It is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good. It is God. Faith is a move of God in you to move you. When Listen, 
We, we like quoting the scripture, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But we, we just quote that, and I think it, it ends with our quoting that. When faith comes, because we've heard the word, what does it do? Faith moves us into the experience of the word we heard. Or we just heard, but we didn't do, we didn't yield to, we didn't surrender to the sacrifice of Christ that allows the Holy Spirit to work. So verse 1 in Hebrews 12, not going to read the whole thing, just going to point out a word in the first three verses because we got to move on today. Verse 1 talks about you got to see something. I'll let you take notes and go back and look at it. You got to see something. Verse 2 says you got to be looking at something. Come on now. You got to see something. You got to be looking at something. And then when you see what you need to see and you're looking at what you need to be looking at, then and only then can you consider what you should be considering. Many times we're in trouble and we're considering this and that we're considering things. The Bible here tells the child of God what to see, what to be looking at, and based on what you're seeing and looking at, then you're considering him, Christ, will be that which is proper. Many times we go to God and we try to reason with our carnal flesh. No, we have to get in the word so faith can come so that when we're reasoning with the Lord, it can't be us trying to get him to see our, our, what we think. It needs to be us trying to grab a hold of what he is saying so that we can have the fruit of what he has said. Amen. So look at this. You got to see what you're supposed to be seeing in verse one. Number two, you got to be looking unto what you got what you're supposed to be looking unto. And it can't just be any old thing. The Bible here tells us what we're to be seeing, what we're to be looking at, what we're to be considering in verse three. And then in verse four it tells us it and it, it's a it's a it's a it's a how shall I say this? It is a more intense look or or, or it's like it's like he's taking us and he's pointing there it is. This is what we're talking about. Look you have not resisted under blood, striving against sin. Christ did that. That's who this is about. Seeing that we're surrounded with a great cloud of witnesses, the body of Christ, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, considering him that endured such contradiction of sinners, against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your mind. The, the Christian today, man, preachers are throwing in the towel because they're fainting. And they say, it, it, you know, it, you know, it, it just, you know, it failed. It, it's not working. It's because they don't know how it works. Faith never fails. We fail to keep it. We might fail to exercise it, but faith cannot fail. We can fail to keep it. We can fail to exercise it if we do not understand where to place it. 
the cross. Hallelujah. If we don't know where, what to see, where to look, what to consider, then, then we're not going to understand. We're going to be confused and mixed up. We're, we're, we're going to be uh, just in a pitiful state. Preachers are quitting. Faith never quits. Religion quits. Many come to Christ, but they don't take his yoke. I've said that before recently. I'm saying it again this morning. I hope you're hearing it. Many come to Christ, but he said, you got to take my yoke upon you and learn of me. His yoke is his way of the cross where he took all the burdens. He made us who we are in him. He, he has given, that's what we're to consider. And it says, you have, you've not resisted unto blood. Striving against sin, that's what Jesus did. He, he sweat drops of blood striving against temptation to quit, temptation to try to do it another way, temptation to, 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 to get out of this. Father, is there any other way? <laughs> but he reached his conclusion. Not my will, but thy will. That's a powerful, powerful a group of words that the Lord spoke from his heart to his father. Not my will, not my will, not my will. Oh, if we could learn that, my friend. That is what the cross of Christ is all about. Christ made it possible through his performing of God's will instead of his own feelings and emotions and thoughts and desires. His father's will, the Bible says, first Peter chapter 1, no, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, I believe it is right in that area there, or 23, somewhere in there, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 20 through 23, that Jesus didn't revile back. He didn't threaten back, but he trusted the one who judges righteously. He committed himself to the one who judges righteously. And because Jesus said, thy, not my will, but thy will, then you and I can place our faith in what Jesus did at Calvary. This is, where, this is what we consider. We don't consider all this other stuff. Well, we, we just got to get rid of everything except a broken heart and a willing mind to go the way that God has offered us, which is the way of Christ and his sacrifice. For when we're considering that, we will not faint the Bible says, Peter even wrote, that we, while we are making our calling and election sure, we won't stumble. He said, it's not if you go get busy about the things of God, you won't stumble. No, that's when we do stumble, when we put our faith in all we're doing, trying to stay busy. So, you know the old saying, you know, you, you need to stay busy so you won't be idle. You get yourself trouble when you're idle. Okay, that's not the right thing to consider. The right thing to consider is Jesus Christ and what he did for you at Calvary's cross. And if you'll consider that, if you'll see that, if you'll look at that, if you'll, if you'll consider that, then the, and look at the one who sweat drops of blood for you, who endured through humility and obedience the cross for the joy that was set before him. My friend, if that's your focus, then you are going to be able to Run the race. Run the race. And if you're running the race, people see the fruit of it. People now, if you're if you're if you're surrounded by people, you go to church with a bunch of people who don't know what it means to run the race. 
They don't have a clue what it means to run the race. These are Christians today. They don't know about running the race. They don't. Know, they can talk about it, but they put their own words of men's wisdom to it, and they don't understand that you can't run the race while the sin nature is ruling. Let me say it again. You cannot run the race while the sin nature is ruling, and the sin nature is ruling, ev- ruling, it e- e- trapping right now every Christian who's not trusting consciously in the death of Jesus. The sin nature is ruling. If you look at verse 1 in here, we see, Wherefore seeing, we also were compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, Christians under the new covenant, let us lay aside every weight and these, not a sin, the sin which does so easily beset us. And that again is not a sin, it's the sin, nature. It's the, it's the word here that's a noun. It's not a verb, an act of sin. It's the sin nature. And it says this sin nature easily besets us. The word beset means ensnare. It traps us. 99.9% of every Christian is trapped, ensnared right now because their faith is not in the cross of Christ. They'll tell you they believe in the cross. Of course we believe in the cross. But when things happen, it's not that that they're trusting in, it's their reason. They've got to do this to get out. They've got to do this. They got. They're not trusting. They've got that blanket statement. Well, of course we believe in the cross. But if you listen, if you were trusting in the, what you say you believe in from the heart, then you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. That's just what the Bible says. Hallelujah. That's what the Bible says. And th- th- this is a, a, a reminder scripture, but it's also a, a rebuke. Most people might not see this as a rebuke, but it is a rebuke because these people were not seeing what they should. They were not looking at what they should. They were not considering the one they should be in the way they should be. And they might have, obviously, they might have thought, could very well have thought that they were they're resisting, their resisting was getting them somewhere, but it was all of the flesh, or it was of the fear, or the sin nature was ruling and had them trapped. And that's why he says in verse 4, you've not resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And look at verse 5, which brings, I believe, the reality and the proof, the confirmation of what I just said about this must be, to some degree, a rebuke. Because he tells them in verse 5, and let me say, what he's about to start talking about now, you have to already have known what he wrote above that. But he's about to get into the true context of what he is writing about, which is the chastening of the Lord, the disciplinary procedures of our God, the correction, the reproofs, the rebukes. If you're not correctable, you're not walking with Jesus. If you can't be corrected, you, you're not walking with the Lord, except in the vanity of our own minds. I speak not of you, but of all of us. If we cannot be corrected, if we cannot be corrected, rebuked, reproved, and, and pointed back to the cross, if we cannot be corrected, we are not walking with the Lord. 
He is perfect. And the closer we get to him, the more we see that we need to be corrected. We need to be rebuked. We need to be found repenting. You remember when the Lord Jesus worked the great miracle of the big catch of fish, Peter fell down when he saw the miracle, and the Bible says he repented. The closer you get to the Lord, the more you see you need to be acknowledging Him as who He is, as the truth that liberates you, and you recognize your need to be liberated more and more and more in your experience. Hallelujah, daily. But here in verse 5, He says, And you have forgotten. They're being told. You have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. And that means the disciplinary measures of the Lord. Nor faint when you are rebuked of him. Now, we've already been told the answer for fainting. Let's go back and read it again in verse 3. For consider him, and this is what you're to do when the Lord brings correction to you. When the Lord brings disciplinary matters before you concerning you. This, look, he tells us don't faint when you're rebuked of him. And that word means don't be discouraged. Don't be disappointed, I get it. But don't ever allow disappointment to turn into discouragement for when you do, you are in big trouble. Because really, discouragement is really an an ignorance of or an ignoring of, which is another word inside ignorance, ignore. One of the two, I don't know, or I do know, but I'm ignoring the truth of the cross. Because watch, the answer to avoid fainting or the answer to escape having fainted. That means becoming discouraged. That's what the word faint here means. Let me say that again. God's one and one and only answer for a, avoiding fainting or to escape having fainted is to consider Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, and what he did, what he endured, which was the contradiction of sinners, the hostility of sinners against himself, lest you grow weary and faint in your mind. See, your faith has got to be in Jesus, not you and what you're doing to try to make it through this. That's a powerful statement. And when, and when the Lord finds you, as he found me, and still does at times, trying to work my way out of something instead of considering the one that made the way out of everything I find myself in that's not of God, we're going this is why preachers are quitting because their their focus is not Jesus Christ and him crucified. This is this is why ever church has ever split. This is why every church has ever split. 
whether a church, they're not, nobody in there even knows uh, the way of sanctification. Nobody in there knows that they're supposed to be focused of the cross. Well, of course, that church is going to have major issues. Or a church that some people in there know and some don't, and it, it, it erupts into uh, that which is righteous and that which is not in God's eyes. Because we all think we're carrying out the works of righteousness. But if our faith is not in the sacrifice, the fruit is not righteous. You are righteous if you're a Christian, but your fruit is not. None of it is righteous if you're not consciously trusting in the sacrifice of Christ. You may be doing good, but lost people can do acts of good. Amen, Brother Curtis. Hallelujah. So watch this verse 5 now because he's... He is moving into what he is writing to them here in this portion of this letter about chastening, chastening. And that means disciplinary measures carried out by the Lord among his people. You have forgotten the exhortation. And let's just look that word up, exhortation. And it means the comfort. And that's the way we should think of this. The, the, the comfort, you have forgotten the, the encouragement, the comfort which speaks unto you as children. And this is what it says. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. Now, the Lord's going to rebuke you if you're his. Right? Let's read verse 6. For whom the Lord loves, does he love you? But you say, I don't need to be corrected. No, you don't know, you don't know about the love of God. It's some vain thing in your imagination. And that, and that's huge today. Oh, just got to love everybody. Them old folks, all them folks over there, just all this determined to preach nothing but the cross. They need to love somebody. No, those folks are avoiding the chastening of the Lord that's trying to bring them back to a place where they're not trapped in this superficial, emotional, and feeling thing they're calling love. Hallelujah to the Lamb. They need to come back. Look, for whom the Lord loves, He chastens. He disciplines them, us, and scourges every son whom He receives. Do you understand that? There, there, it means to, to scourge means to flog. The Lord allows things, brings things into our lives, and, and the chastening of the Lord is not the same as pruning. Pruning is when you're bearing fruit and you're pruned to bear more fruit. Amen. This is when we're not seeing what we should, when we're not looking at what we should, when we're not considering what we should, and when we have forgotten the exhortation. When, we, when we've, and this word forgotten doesn't mean we've just, well, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking No, forgotten means we have left all that and moved on to something else. It's like when Peter writes in 2 Peter Chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, talks about those who have forgotten they were purged from their old sins. They're blind and cannot see afar off. 
Well, it doesn't mean that they have dementia. That's not what he's talking about. Oh, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. I, I guess I forgot. I, no, no. It's talking about laying aside, forgetting, and moving on. That's what, that's what we got. We ha, there are things that need to be laid aside, but you got to watch what you're laying aside. It's the weighty things that are hindering us running the race. You got to watch what you lay aside. So whom the Lord loves, he chastens. So when you're being disciplined of the Lord, you're being told to go back. All, all discipline of the Lord is to get you back. All discipline of the Lord is to get you back to seeing properly, looking at the right proper thing, and considering what you should be considering. Absolutely. How do I know this? Because if we come down here in verse 10, and we're skipping, but we'll go back. We're gonna we're gonna we we're gonna get every bit of this that we possibly can by the Holy Spirit. But I want to skip down here and show you something powerful because we ain't got but about one minute left, of course. Verse 10. For they verily for a few days were chastened, or chase our fathers chastened us after their own pleasure, but God, He chastens us for our profit. Remember Galatians, it's a billboard. What about all people don't know that? Don't worry about them, you do. Don't worry about them. You do. God will get to the the hungry, those who are hungry. He'll get them what they need. He might want to use you to give it to them. Don't forget about the billboard in Galatia. The only way Christ can profit us and affect us in our experience is if our faith is in the death of Christ, the cross of Christ. Hallelujah. That means our union with him through faith in his death. So watch this. But he chastens us for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Did you get that? The purpose of God's disciplinary measures among his people is to it's for our profit. Where do we what, what's our what's our profit? Partaking of his holiness. <laughs> we got to quit right here, but come on back. Come on back Monday morning at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. Let's start right here and get right back into this and just see what the Holy Spirit's going to impart into our hearts and write on the tablets of our minds. He wants to do that. Oh, he earnestly wants to do that, and I want him to do that so bad. I'm so thankful for you and those of you who are there and God has awakened unto his righteousness and brought back to the cross, brought back to our first love where we can continually step after step, moment by moment, acknowledge the truth and find a place of repentance and a time of refreshing all the time, all the time, walking with our Lord. Hallelujah. Seeing, looking, and considering. Glory be to God. I hope you've been blessed today. Don't forget to pray for us. Seek the Lord about sowing into the ministry to help us do what we do as often as we do and even more of what he's doing in and through this ministry. And you can be a part of that yourself. And uh, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com. You can also text the word GIVE to the number 903 231 
5950. God bless you. We love you, and I'll see you in the morning at 9 a.m. Central Time for Cross Time with Pastor Curtis and our study of 1 Peter. God bless you. I'll see you then. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.